0: When I'm working out, I love to listen to your podcast Whenever you say something, other people react to it Taking my breath away, Aaron Fern Lundquist joins me Hall of Famer, Jim Calhoun NASCAR icon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone here. Welcome in for the episode The oh, podcast of Swing America, the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast presented by Bedford Sportsbook. It is Wednesday, March 29th, 2023 people. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody is having a great day and I hope everybody is ready for what should be a fun midweek Final Four edition of the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Here is what you need to know about today's show. We will do the official preview and picks of the final four on Friday. But today I kind of want to address the elephant in the room because I keep hearing two things about this final four that I do not believe. I keep hearing that it's terrible that these aren't the best teams. I don't buy that. I think these teams are more deserving than the public is giving them credit for. And also I keep hearing from a lot of people. Oh, UConn's going to roll through this final four, which I definitely do not believe. And I'm saying that as a UConn guy, not trying to be arrogant. But the bottom line is, I think both of those narratives are false. I am going to explain why. From there, we'll take two minutes to do the coaching carousel news and notes. Rodney Terry, now officially the Texas head coach. I think this was the right move for Texas. How about this? Mark Madsen. Remember him? He is at Cal. We will discuss that. And then we will end the show with a loaded transfer portal News and Notes segment, because there is so much going on. Caleb Love is in the portal. Kalel Ware is on the, in the portal. Several marquee names. Severe Wheeler, who you need to know. But then also, where guys are leaning, what schools are visiting who. And we actually have two or three marquee commitments that I will be discussing on today's show. So that's what we're going to do. Final Four stuff, coaching carousel stuff, and most importantly, the transfer portal news and notes. Before we get started, uh, a couple quick things. one. I did say on the last episode, on the Monday episode, that we will be doing a Final Four Aaron Torres pod party at the Final Four. We were going to do it Friday, but there appear to be some complications, including that most people don't seem to be getting in until late Friday night, early Saturday. So the plan is we will be doing something on Sunday in Houston. If you live in Houston, if you're a fan of any of these schools, you are more than welcome to come DM me for details. I'm telling you right now. The DMs are flooded. We are expecting a lot of people at this event. By the way, yes, it will probably be predominantly Yukon people, but we are not putting the cart before the horse. Again, this is not any time. It's just, it's going to be a fun thing, but this is not going to be a Yukon party from the perspective that we're celebrating anything, because you guys got to take care of Miami. But if you want details, it's going to be really fun. The spot is really cool. If you're in Houston, hit me up. Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. Aaron Torres pod on Instagram, Sunday, midday. We are going to have a ball, drink specials, all that good stuff. Who knows? Kid might bring a microphone and do a pod from this bar. I will have details. DM me if you want to go. And by the way, I should have finalized details on Friday. Really quickly, also thank you, our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook. I am going to tell you the incredible offer that Betfred has for this final four coming up. And finally, I do want to thank Bracket Fanatics for sponsoring this year's Aaron Torres pod bracket challenge. Uh, We're coming down to the wire here. We have a few people still in contention. We're giving out a thousand dollars in cash prizes. We will make those announcements after the NCAA tournament, but thank you to bracket fanatics. And as a quick reminder, if you're doing anything bracket related, make sure to hit up BracketFanatics.com. You can join another person's bracket challenge. You can start your own. You can do a free pool. You can do a pay pool and have everybody pay on the site. And it's not just college basketball. Bracket Fanatics does tennis. They do uh, NFL Pick'em, which we did this fall. Congrats to Who Day Wins on winning that one. Uh, we do They do cricket brackets. Don't know if I'll be doing one of those for the Aaron Torres pod. But I just bring it up to say, great website, bracketfanatics.com, bracket name, Torres. With that said, though, let's get to the topic of the day. And the topic of the day. It's Wednesday. Uh, I am flying out to the Final Four later today. I will be on the ground in Houston late Wednesday, early Thursday. Great coverage there. Make sure you're following on social media. Aaron underscore Torres. Aaron Torres pod on Instagram. But I want to get to the topic of the day because on Friday we'll preview the games. But right now, what I want to spend the next few minutes doing is addressing the elephant in the room. What is the elephant in the room, you ask Torres? It is that. Since we got this Final Four on Sunday, Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, UConn, and who am I missing? Oh, Miami. I've had a lot of people tell me, Torres, this is the worst Final Four ever. Torres, the NCAA tournament, you no longer get the best teams in the Final Four ever. I hate this tournament. It's so stupid. And I have also heard, which really concerns me, that UConn is the overwhelming favorite and nobody is beating the Huskies. And so I want to address each differently. What I want to do is a little myth-busting with your boy Torres on the Final Four, okay? And let's start with this notion that this is a terrible Final Four and that the the NCAA tournament is no longer reflective of who is the best team. Because I've seen a lot of old-school people that used to watch college basketball in the 80s and they grew up on Patrick Ewing and Phi Slamma Jamma. Back in those days, we always got the best teams in the Final Four and now we don't ever get them anymore. But well, what I would say to that is you're full of crap. One, first of all, I find it very interesting, right? We, we we have this notion. We have this college basketball as much as anything. We're nostalgic for the old days. I don't think we're nostalgic for the old days in the NFL. I don't think anybody's like, you know what we need more of? We need a, a who's the new school Red Grange? No, it's like the NFL is awesome and we're going to keep watching it. And it's great. College football. Nobody's like, hey, more leather helmets less uh Alabama and Nick Saban. More uh, you know, uh Veer offense and less Kirby Smart smashing your face in every Saturday. Oh, that Lincoln Riley guy, he's terrible. I miss um army football with the three ho- the three horsemen or whatever they called them a million years ago. College basketball is the only sport that we think like, "Oh, it was so much better 30 years ago and this NCAA tournament no longer produces the best team or the best champion." Well, first of all, that's simply not true. What do I always tell you guys here on this podcast? What I always tell you guys is that while the notion that every year is so wide open, the facts simply don't back that up. Since 2008, I've told you many times, this will be the 16th NCAA tournament since 2008. We have only had three champions that were not number one seeds. It was Villanova. Villanova in 2016 was the top number two seed, Big East regular season champ, Big East tournament champ. Oh, by the way, beat two number one seeds on the way to a title. That sounds like a team that could have been a number one seed, wasn't, was a two seed. They won the title. 2014, UConn with Shabazz Napier. 2011 with Kemba Walker. UConn wins the title as well. And so I've told you many times, basically, if you're not a top four, a number one seed, Or if you don't have the definitive best player in the tournament, you're probably not winning the national championship. So how can you say that it's not the best team when in the last 15 national titles, we have had 12 number one seeds and two teams with the best player on the floor, the best player in the tournament? Does it make sense? By the way, for all the old heads that, oh, college basketball was so much better back in my day, and now we have all these random teams winning it. Well, guess what? I went back and I used a little thing called Google to confirm some stuff that I thought. Remember that NC State team that everybody loves and Jim Valvano was running around and it was 1983 and they were, NC State spent the year celebrating the 40th anniversary of that season. NC State was a sixth seed. NC State was a sixth seed and provided us one of the great moments in the history of the tournament. Oh, but what about 1985, Villanova, the greatest upset that ever there was? They were an eight seed. And people talk about Villanova like they're the 98 Bulls. Everybody loved that Villanova team that stunned Patrick Ewing. What about Danny Manning and the Miracles? I've heard so much about Danny Manning and the Miracles, 1988 national champion. They were a six seed. But I thought, oh, I I thought the sport now, this second, oh, I thought it was so wide open and it's not reflective of who's the best team. So you mean to tell me in 83, a six seed one, in 85, uh, 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 a nine, an 8-seed eight one. In 88, a 6-seed one. Oh, by the way, 89, Michigan, Ramil Robinson beat Seton Hall. Michigan was a 3-seed. So basically, the glory days of the 80s and the 90s. Oh, it was so much better back then. Well, guess what? We had two 6-seeds in the 80s win a national championship. We had an 8-seed. We had, uh, oh, also as well, we had that three seed in the 1989 NCAA tournament. Let's quickly fast forward, by the way, to the 90s. Remember the 90s? Oh, those were the years of uh, Duke and UNLV. Well, Duke was a two seed when they beat UNLV in the 1991 National Championship. Oh, by the way, the following year, remember the Fab Five? remember the fab oh my goodness the fab five they were the greatest thing that ever lived they were a sixth seed in the 1992 ncaa tournament when they lost to duke now the following year when they brought back their whole team that was a little bit of a different deal they were much better they were much more dominant that michigan team the second team was a number one seed but the michigan team that played for a title in 1992 against duke That was a six seed. So all these great historic teams that everybody loves, they were six seeds, they were five seeds, they were eight seeds, they were whatever. I would also push back a little bit on the idea that these are not the best teams in college basketball. Now, I will readily admit, I spent all year saying Alabama's probably the best team. I think Houston was in the mix, whatever, Kansas. But what we also all agreed on all year, There was as much parity this year as I have ever seen in college basketball. And there really wasn't that much of a difference between team one and team 20, between team five and team 35, in my opinion. Look at Arizona. Arizona was in the top 10 all year. Lost at Stanford. Lost to at Oregon. Lost to Washington State at home. That was a team that was in the top 10 all year. And so the idea that these aren't the best teams, well, according to who? Because according to me, this is what I see on the four teams that are coming to Houston this weekend. The first, I hear, I see Miami. Okay, Miami. Well, you know, what's going on with them? Well, they were in the Elite Eight last year. Oh, by the way, they were the ACC regular season champions this year. Now, we can argue the ACC was a little bit down. Duke has a first-year head coach. UNC disappoints. We'll be talking about UNC later with Caleb Love. But, but, That's the ACC regular season champ. That was the ACC number one seed in the NCAA tournament. If that same team with that same record wore Duke uniforms, if Isaiah Wong and uh, Nigel Pack and Jordan Miller just played for Duke, oh, this is so great. Duke is a five seed. Carolina, they were an eight seed last year. Imagine them just wearing Miami uniforms. Miami's players wearing Carolina uniforms. Oh, Carolina, ACC regular season champs, this is great. But because it's Miami, People were telling me it's terrible. Oh, by the way, San Diego State, they've been one of the best programs in college basketball forever. I remember last spring when Matt Bradley and a couple of their guys announced they were going to use that extra COVID year. I said, that's a top 15 team in the country. I think I had them in the 15 to 20 range. They started the season in the preseason top 20. They got in the top 15 at some points. This was a good team all year. Florida Atlantic, yes, they are not what we think of, Not a traditional school, but they were in the top 25 most of the year. They ended the year, the final AP poll in the top 25. And so I think we can all agree that Florida Atlantic probably was completely misseeded as a nine seed. So all of a sudden, just think about this. If Florida Atlantic was a six seed and if Miami was wearing Duke uniform, same team, we'd be like, oh, this is pretty sweet. Final four. And that's not even including UConn and UConn was the best team in the country for, I would argue, the longest stretch of time. There was a stretch where I thought Purdue was the best team. There was a stretch where Alabama, I thought, was the best team. Maybe Kansas for a minute there. But I bring it up because there was like a six, seven-week stretch where we all said, UConn is the best team in the country. So this idea, oh, the best team doesn't even win the championship anymore. Well, last year, we had the Blue Blood Final Four, which included Kansas, Villanova, Duke, North Carolina. Those were all pretty good teams. And this year, UConn might end up being the best team And they still have a chance, might have been the best team all year, and they still have a chance to win the national championship. Now, the other narrative that I hear coming into this Final Four, and this one terrifies me, this one terrifies me. I have not heard anybody say, I haven't heard anybody pick against UConn this week in the Final Four. What I would say is that, is it mortifies me. As a matter of fact, you know what it reminds me of? I don't want to date myself. I was at UConn in 2006 when they lost to George Mason. Now, why it's interesting, George Mason, they were coached by Jim Larinaga, who's now the head coach at Miami. So for people of my age, Jim Larenega, we're coming for you. We're coming for you. old man, we're coming to get you because we didn't forget 06. And so because of it, because of it, I don't even know where I was going with that. I'll be honest. But the point I'm trying to make. Uh, OK, so we're talking about UConn. They're the definitive best team in the country. The last time I remember this much sentiment towards UConn, was 6 number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, didn't see anybody pick against them, and they lost to George Mason. So UConn fans have been in this position before, but I also don't buy that they're like the overwhelming favorite at the Final Four. Now, I think they should be favored. They are minus 125 in the Bedford Sportsbook. They are a a five-and-a-half-point favorite against Miami. But, but, did you watch that Miami team like this idea that Yukon's just going to steamroll Miami? Has anybody watched Miami because they took care of an Indiana team easily that was in the top 25 all year, ran Houston off the court, took care of business against Texas. As a matter of fact, when I was looking at this game, at, when I was looking at that elite eight game, when UConn advanced to the final four and I knew they were going to play the winner of Miami versus Texas at first glance, I'll admit, I said, I don't want to play Texas. Because Texas in in uh Texas in um in Houston, oh, they're gonna have a lot of fans there. But what ended up happening was after I watched that Elite Eight game, it struck me Miami's actually the much worse matchup for UConn. Those guards, Isaiah Wong, Nigel Pack, Jordan Miller, those guards are incredible. And as a matter of fact, when you look at who UConn struggled with, you know what UConn struggled with? They had two losses this season. Once at Marquette. Well, they had two losses to Marquette. I think they had 7-8 overall. Two losses to Marquette. One at Marquette, one in the Big East Tournament. What does Marquette do well? What did Marquette do well? Spacing, ball movement, guard play, athletic bigs, moving, spacing, all that UConn size. It doesn't do anything if the ball's flying all over the court. Well, what is Miami? Speed, quickness, athleticism, Isaiah Wong, Jordan Miller. All those guys. Xavier beat UConn twice, and there are only two meetings this year. What was Xavier? Spacing, ball movement, Colby Jones, Zach Fremantle before he got hurt, Jack Nungy down low. Miami fits the profile of the teams that have beat UConn. Now, I'll make my official picks. I'm not saying I think UConn's definitively going to lose. What I'm just saying is anybody who thinks it's going to be a blowout, a laugher, you haven't been watching Miami, and then I'll take it a step further. Even if UConn survives Miami, I do think they match up pretty well with San Diego, uh, with my, Florida Atlantic. But San Diego State, you've seen them? San Diego State is just as big, just as physical, just as tough as absolutely anybody. And remember, who did San Diego State just beat in the Elite Eight? They beat a Creighton team that beat UConn earlier this year. So I don't love this narrative that, oh, UConn's just going to steamroll through the final four. I get that they have been dominant so far, I get that they have had four wins by 15 plus points. I don't think that means that anything is guaranteed when they get on the floor in Houston. Um, and again, I think it's going to be a great final four. I'm going to make my official picks on the show on Friday, maybe try to get somebody from Betfred to kind of break it down from a betting angle. But I will just tell you this. If you think that UConn is going to roll through this final four, and maybe you don't, but I've heard enough people say they think it's going to happen that I got to set the record straight on that one really quickly before we get to the portal news and notes, just a couple quick notes on the coaching carousel. Two quick things have happened, and I just kind of want to commentate on them really quick. The first one, since I last recorded Texas, a- uh, Texas A&M, Texas has hired Rodney Terry full-time as their head coach. It's something that we've talked about on this show quite a bit. And, you know, basically, probably since the Big 12 tournament, I've kind of said, like, I think that guy should get the full-time head coaching job. He obviously led Texas to the Elite Eight. And there was obviously a groundswell of support for him. But the question was still, was he going to get it? Well, he gets the job on Monday. And I think most people were happy. But I do also think that there was a lot of pushback on if he's really the right guy. Because you look at his time. He coached three, six, seven years at Fresno State, three years at UTEP before taking over the Texas job. In those years, so that's what, what did I say? Three, six, seven years at Fresno. Ten, ten years in. Ten years total. He had one NCA tournament bid as a head coach, and overall had one, two, three, four, four losing records in eight or nine years as head coach. I'm losing my numbers. What I would say is though, and I've seen a lot of this. Don't worry so much about what he did. Fresno and UTEP now that sounds bad that sounds terrible people say oh Torres whatever why I bring it up I can tell you those are two really hard jobs that he had before he ended up at, at Texas and so why I bring it up is because listen I live in California I can tell you Fresno State is a completely underfunded athletic department in even in the Mountain West San Diego State has better facilities and resources. Colorado State, Boise. Fresno's probably in the bottom two to three in that league in terms of resources and facilities. And so I don't buy that because he didn't have success at Fresno. That's a really hard job. That's like somebody getting the, you know, whatever, the the Boston College job in, in the ACC. And it's like, well, he never won at Boston College. It's like, yeah, that's a really hard job. Fresno State's kind of the Boston College of their league. And it was kind of the same at UTEP where he was there for three years before he ended up coming to Texas as an assistant. And I bring it up because I think this is the right hire. And I think this is a guy that can have success as the head coach at Texas. And let me explain why. And I might've already talked about this, but we can blame Chris Beard for a lot. And we can talk about what he did, what he's accused of what was in that police report. But as I've said a few times on this show, what Chris Beard did And what Texas should forever be thankful for. I remember when Chris Beard got hired. I said that Chris Beard. Believes. That he can build Texas. Into the next Kentucky. Into the next North Carolina. And that in 50 years. When we're talking about Blue Bloods. We're going to be talking about Texas. In the same breath as North Carolina. And Kentucky and Duke. And so I bring it up. Because. He obviously never got there. It was year two when he got fired. But. I do think he kind of laid out the blueprint for how you got to win at Texas, right? And how high of a level you can win at Texas. Remember, Texas, this is the NIL portal world. They can, let's just be honest, they can pay whatever it takes to get the best players. And I don't know if NIL was the reason that Tyrese Hunter went there, that Christian Bishop, that Marcus Carr, that Timmy Allen went there. Those are all portal guys. And then on top of that, as I've said many times on this show, Texas has the best high school basketball in the country right now. It's better than New York City. It's better than Chicago. It's better than Boston. It's better than L.A. Think about Texas. And I know Texas is a big state. But in the last few years, I've, I've ripped off the names. Cade Cunningham, number one overall pick. Tyrese Maxey. Kaysen Wallace. Anthony Black at Arkansas this year. Jordan Walsh at Arkansas this year. Uh, Keontae George at Arkansas uh, at Baylor this year is going to be a top five pick, probably top ten pick. You go on and on and on and on and on. The talent there is unbelievable, and so why this is important. Chris Beard has now seen the blueprint at Texas. Chris or, or, or Ronnie Terry has seen the blueprint at Texas. Ronnie Terry has seen how it can be built, how to use NIL, how to use the portal, which players to recruit. And I think he could keep them at a really high level. Now is he Chris Beard? We're going to find out. But Chris Beard had a lot at his disposal that got Texas to where they were. Fascinating to see how Ronnie Terry takes t- takes care of this job. And then really quickly, before we take a quick break and get to the portal stuff, see what happened at Cal Mark Madsen, the head coach at Utah Valley, Utah Valley made the final four of the, uh, NIT Mark Madsen is going to be the head coach at Cal barring unforeseen circumstances. First off, he's been really good at Utah Valley, Utah Valley this year, won the whack regular season. 28 and 8 overall, entering Wednesday or Tuesday night's NIT semifinal against UAB. But what's really interesting about this hire do you know where Mark Madsen went to college? Most of you probably do. He was the building block, the pillar of Stanford's Final Four run in 1998. And it's important for two reasons. One, everybody in the coaching community thought, that, Mark Mads- that the Stanford job was going to open and that Mark Madsen was a shoe in to get it. So the fact that their biggest rival is set to hire this guy, I don't know if it's going to work. I don't know if it's not. But what I can't tell you, if it does work, and I don't know if Stanford even cares about basketball, but they will rue the day that they let their most prominent alum in the coaching community, a hot candidate for other head coaching jobs, they stuck with a guy. By the way, the guy that they kept this year at Stanford, Jared Haas, year eight, zero NCA tournaments. And so it's just very interesting to me that they made this decision because they are now going to be competing against their most prominent alum at their cross, you know, cross town rival. I know a lot of you probably aren't staying up for Stanford Cal next year on FS1 at, you know, 12 30 Eastern time on a Thursday. But it is something worth monitoring. All right, that's so what I we do. Do you want to take a quick break? Come back. When we come back, we're talking transfer portal, baby. Who's in? Caleb Love, McDonald's, All Americans, big names. Plus, Arkansas visiting some guys, St. John's visiting some guys. Some guys are committing. Take a quick break, and we are going to discuss all of that. That'll be next. All right, are we'll getting back to the show in a minute, but before we do, I want to welcome back our presenting sponsor, Betfred Sportsbook and the Betfred Sportsbook app. It is March. You want to make wagers, and there is no better place to make them than at the Betfred Sportsbook, the presenting sponsor of the Aaron Torres Pod and all things Aaron Torres Media. By now, you know Betfred's story. Started in 1967 in the UK, over 1,600 shops in the UK, and they have come to the United States and made a major splash. They are the presenting sponsor of the Colorado Rockies, Denver Broncos, Cincinnati Bengals, Aaron Torres Media. And what I love about Betfred, they do more for their customers than anybody. And here's what they're doing for you this March. You can bet $50 on any game this March, any game, and they will give you up to $1,111 in free bets. Here's how it works. Download the Betfred Sportsbook app. Go to Betfredsports.com. Make your first $50 wager. You automatically get in free bets. But then how about this? For the first five weeks that you are a Betfred customer, you will be insured for up to $200 for the first five weeks. So you you make a few bets and we're all going to win all our bets this March. But if it doesn't work out, they'll give you up to $200 back for the first five weeks that you're a Betfred customer. So download the Betfred sportsbook app, bet $50 on any game. 111 in free bets, plus up to $200 in free bets in insurance the first five weeks. That is all you got to do. Betfred Sportsbook. Betfred Sportsbook app. Tell them Tora sent you. Enjoy March, everybody. All right, everybody. Now I'm back. going to be back. going to be back. I do want to. Switch gears and listen, the Final Four is this weekend, baby. That's right. We just started talking a little bit about it. We'll do our full preview on Friday's show. But at the same time, for these schools that are not in the Final Four, which is what, 359 or so Division I basketball programs, you know what right now is? It's portal season, baby. That is right. It is the time. And portal, for those of you who are new to the show, This is just a big topic of conversation right now, this time of year here on the Aaron Torres podcast. So what we do on this show, if you've been listening, you know, about once or twice a week, and it will probably be more as time goes on, we kind of just hit on all the news and notes from the college basketball transfer portal, because this is the time of year where it is starting to get crazy. And what I can tell you is, since the last time we did a portal update on last Thursday's show, before I went away to that wedding, the portal has become insane, and so what I want to do now is, again, just a big-picture news and notes segment on all things Transfer Portal. We'll talk about some really, really, really big names that are entering the portal, schools that might be interested, all that good stuff. From there, we will talk about some visits that have been set up, what, school, what players are visiting, what schools, all that, and then we actually have two or three commitments already, which is very interesting. Let's start with the most high-profile players that are entering the portal. Let's start with maybe, I would argue, the most high-profile player that has ever entered the portal since the portal became a thing. On Monday, we got news that I think is both shocking and not shocking at all. As Caleb Love, yes, that Caleb Love, the dude that ended Coach K's career, the dude that threw dirt on Coach K's grave last year at the Final Four, he is officially transferring from North Carolina. And so it's a very interesting deal because I do think that he's probably a bit more polarizing than the average fan realizes. When he hit the portal, the amount of you that said, I need him, we need him, we need him. Is my school going to go after him? I was like stunned because here's the thing about Caleb Love. On the one hand, we saw what he could do last March. 28 points against Duke in the final four. Dirt on Coach K's grave. 30 points against UCLA in the Sweet Sixteen. But also, if you were following UNC at all this year, you know they were a dumpster fire. And the reason they were a dumpster fire in large part was because of Caleb Love. Caleb Love this year did average 17 points per game, but he shot 37% from the field, under 30% from three. He basically had a one-to-one assist-to-turnover ratio, insinuating that he basically wasn't making anybody around him better, and he got worse as the season went on. And so what was maybe the most shocking thing from Monday, besides the fact that he entered the portal, was the fact that if you read reports, Jeff Goodman was the first one that I saw to have this. The insinuation was that it was a mutual decision. In other words, Caleb Love was ready to move on. But North Carolina, nobody really threw their body in front of the idea of Caleb Love coming back for another year. Armando Baycott's going to come back for another year. R.J. Davis is going to come back for another year. And everybody else is just like, Caleb, you go do your thing, man. We wish you luck. So the question now becomes, what happens next for Caleb Love? And it is a little early, in my opinion, to, I think, really go too deep on where Caleb Love will go. Now, I did a separate segment on the Aaron Torres Pod YouTube channel. Make sure that you're subscribed there if you're not already. I did that on Tuesday night with some schools that I think make sense for Caleb Love. Let me give you a few that make sense, and I'm not saying that I got a a secret text with all this information, but here are some schools that make sense from my perspective for Caleb Bluff. The first one, I would actually argue it is the Missouri Tigers. And a lot of you probably sitting there saying, Torres, what are you talking about? High profile, North Carolina, Missouri's great. Second year under Dennis, first year under Dennis Gates, next year will be the second. But why would he go there? Well, it's important to note for people who don't know, he is from the state of Missouri. And so that was why that one immediately jumped out to me. He's from St. Louis. He can go home. He could kind of, if things go well, sort of be the savior, the guy that elevates the program from really good to next, next, next level. I'm sure the NIL opportunities would be through the roof, especially if the team is good. But also Missouri plays kind of a fun brand of basketball that I think would be befitting of Caleb Love. And Dennis Gates is a guy that will keep him in line. Dennis Gates doesn't say much. He is a man of few words, but anybody who's been around him knows that he is a man of few words, but he don't put up with nonsense. Okay. He is disciplined. He's accountable. And if Caleb loves tries to get, you know, goofy, like he did this year, taking bad shots, not passing the ball, Dennis Gates will sit him on the bench and say, son, you come sit next to me and you think about what you did. Okay. So I think Missouri is a school that makes sense. I'll give you a few others. Um, Memphis is one that makes sense. Penny Hardaway is a guy that over the last couple of years has really sold. Hey, I'm a former NBA guard. Let come here and let me show you what it takes to get to that next level. It worked really well this past year with Kendrick Davis. Did not work two two years ago well with Amani Bates. And so this was a program this year that I thought really thrived with older veteran players. They're going to lose Kendrick Davis, their best player. And this might be a spot that makes sense for Caleb Love. Um, Louisville. Now it's worth noting Louisville was actually the school Caleb Love picked North Carolina over Louisville when he was in high school. Of course, what's worth noting there is that it was actually Chris Mack's staff that recruited him, not Kenny Payne's. So he has ties to the school, but not ties to the staff. But I could see Louisville making a run at him. Gonzaga feels like it's a place that makes sense. Alabama, Alabama lost a player to the transfer portal on on Tuesday, Namari Burnett Now, they added a player as well, which we'll talk about in a minute, but Alabama is guard you, right? Um, And so we can argue about what happened off the court. Should Brandon Miller have been playing? All that stuff. We've talked about that a million times, but on the court, they're a great product. They're a well-coached team. They're organized and they're disciplined. Again, insert your own commentary about discipline off the court, but on the court, they're really good. So those are some schools that make sense with Caleb Love. I did an extended thought on the Aaron Torres Pod YouTube channel. Check it out. But from here, let's get to some of the other big names that have entered the portal. And I'll tell you, two really big names that are really big guys that have entered the portal over the last couple days. The first one, Kalel Ware, 6'11 freshman, former McDonald's All-American, former top 10 prospect, was a preseason projected lottery pick, spent one year at Oregon. He's originally from Arkansas. And decided to leave. Now, as far as Arkansas is concerned, or as far as Oregon is concerned, excuse me, with Khalil, where just didn't really work out. Okay, uh, uh, south, you know, southwest portion of the country, whatever. Arkansas goes out west. They have a bunch of veterans in the front court, in Folly Dante. Yes, Kentucky fans, you remember that name, uh, Nathan Biddle. So there wasn't really a natural spot for this kid, and so he's decided to come back. And he's kind of an interesting case, just like Caleb Love, because on the one hand, the talent is through the roof. Ironically, I'm recording here the night of the McDonald's All-American game. But what's interesting is I remember watching last year's McDonald's All-American game and Paul Biancardi from ESPN saying this kid, Kalel Ware, has the highest upside of anybody in the 2022 class, but he's got to work on the motor. And so the question becomes if you get him, is he a player that you can tap into? The talent is there. 6'11, super athletic, super long. It's got some Willie Cauley Stein vibes to him. But the question is can you tap into that potential? Can you get him to reach his potential? Because it's all there, but he hasn't shown that motor that you want to see from an elite player. In terms of schools, you know, he put out a big list on Tuesday through Joe Tipton from on three. I mean, just about every big time school was there. Duke was there. Duke doesn't take a lot of uh, undergrad transfers, but he would make sense as a replacement for Derek Lively. Uh, Basically, the entire SEC has reached out. Ole Miss, remember, Ole Miss is now coached by Chris Beard. We can like Chris Beard, not like Chris Beard. They're going to be in the mix for some of these kids. LSU is in the mix. I think Gonzaga was on that list. But the school that really that caught my eye was Arkansas, because Arkansas is an interesting one. Eric Musselman is obviously the transfer portal whisperer, the transfer portal guru. But what's interesting about Eric Musselman, he said this publicly, is that sometimes they'll reach out to a kid just so everybody thinks that they're recruiting them, but they're not really interested. And so this is interesting for this reason. Kalel Ware is from Arkansas, but. I was told in the high school recruiting process that him and the the coaching staff just didn't vibe, not blaming the coaching staff, not blaming him. But I'm hearing mixed things, whether Arkansas is really interested or whether it's just a cursory. We're going to reach out, seek, you know, kind of dip the toe in the water. So that'll be something worth monitoring. But Kalil Ware is a really talented player. If I had to guess, I'd expect he ends up somewhere in the SEC. Speaking of places in the SEC that need a big man, another McDonald's All-American from a year ago, Johan Traore Traore from Auburn has also entered the transfer portal. Six foot ten. He's from France. Interesting story. Was committed to our old buddy Will Wade at LSU. Will Wade gets fired. He ends up at Auburn. And it just didn't work out at Auburn. 2.1 points per game. Barely saw the floor. Got put behind Janai Broom, the transfer from, from Moorhead State a year ago. And so he's now in the portal. Again, he entered on Tuesday. I think it's a little early to speculate where he could end up. But super athletic, 6'10", didn't work with Bruce Pearl. If Bruce Pearl, if it doesn't work with Bruce Pearl. I'm not blaming Bruce Pearl. Guy's been doing it for years. I trust him. But he's going to move on, Johan Traore. A few other names that have caught my eye, and I'll probably miss some because the portal is humming. Uh, Severe Wheeler. Severe Wheeler is in the transfer portal. Listen, let me defend Severe Wheeler for a little bit, okay? I'm not like a huge, severe Wheeler guy, but he has led the SEC in assists twice in his career. He did average close to six assists per game this year at Kentucky. Now, anybody who watched Kentucky knows that he is, in fact, very limited. And so because of it, I'm not going to sit here and like, oh, my God, he's the greatest point guard ever. Calipari misused him. No, I think he probably wasn't that Calipari level point guard. Certainly not John Wall. Certainly not De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I don't think he's going to be what DJ Wagner is next year. I don't think he is what Kaysen Wallace was this year. But he's not terrible either. I'll be curious to see where he ends up. My hunch, he's from Houston. There's probably a Big 12 school that could use him back that way. Remember, Houston is going to be in the Big 12 next year, so that's kind of interesting. Oklahoma State, school like that. I think there's a place for Severe Wheeler. I just don't think it was at Kentucky. Let's keep it going. Uh, I mentioned this name a minute ago. Namari Burnett, McDonald's All-American, former McDonald's All-American, began his career at Texas Tech last two years at Alabama. I'm a little surprised by this one. He was a guy, he wasn't a focal point of the offense, but was a really, really, really uh, good defensive player, really, really good role player, and seemed to enjoy his time at Alabama. But he decides to transfer. This will be his third school in four years. Curious where he ends up. He is originally from the Midwest. Now, he played his high school ball at Prolific Prep in California, but he's from the Midwest. Does it make sense to go to a Big Ten-type school? I believe there were some family ties. The family knew Juwan Howard. They're originally from Chicago. Juwan Howard's from Chicago. Maybe that's a spot that makes sense. But Namari Burnett is in the portal. Speaking of the Big Ten, Tamar Bates is in the portal. Uh, Former five-star, played the last two years at Indiana. That didn't really work out. Uh, TJ Bamba is another name to know leading score from Washington state is in the portal. He is also declared. So those are the guys that are in the portal right now. Really quickly. I do want to wrap on some buzz on some visits and some guys that I think could commit soon, as well as guys that have committed since the last time we talked. And so the guys that could commit soon, or at least the visits that are going on right now, Arkansas, Always very active in the portal. Monday, they had a meeting with a kid named Quincy Oliveri. Big guard, power guard, about 6'3", 6, 6'4", 6, from Rice over the last couple of years. Remember, Rice is in Conference USA. Conference USA is a good league that produced Florida Atlantic. He averaged about, uh, produced Florida Atlantic, which is now in the Final Four. He averaged about 19 points per game here this past season. Really good three-point shooter. He had a visit with the Arkansas staff at home on Monday. Curious to see if they can convince him to come and be a hog. Uh, also, Cameron Hunter, similar profile, power guard from central Arkansas, had a visit with Arkansas earlier this week. Actually, he took an unofficial visit, I believe, to Arkansas as well. So those are some names to know there. Our boy, Big Rick Energy, Rick Patino Rick Pitino had two in-home visits on Monday, which to me points to this. Two in home visits. He's getting around. And what it speaks to is I think all of the promises that St. John's made in terms of facilities, resources, all those upgrades, he seems to be getting around at will. Wonder if he has access to a private plane. Should be something I look into. But two in-home visits on Monday. Nicholas Timberlake, Nick Timberlake from Townsend, 18 points per game this year, 41% three-point shooter, six four guard. Also, Chris Ledlam. Chris Ledlam from Harvard, 18 and a half points, eight and a half rebounds. He's about 6'6", but he rebounds the heck out of the ball at the guard position. Rick Patino visited with both of those guys. Now it's worth noting, the first guy, Nick Timberlake, he actually has a visit set up with North Carolina, so Rick Patino's going to have to work his Big Rick energy to get him to commit to St. John's because this kid has options. And then as we talk about commitments, there have been a few that are worth noting. One- we just talked about a kid visiting North Carolina. We talk about Caleb Love leaving North Carolina. Well, North Carolina on on, on Monday got a very interesting commitment, Paxson Wojcik from Brown. So he played at Brown the last four years, decided to transfer after he graduated, about 15 points per game, lefty shooter. He commits to North Carolina. Listen, I like this because North Carolina next year is going to be about R.J. Davis, a senior. Armando Bacot, a fifth-year player you need shooting and spacing around him. I like Paxson Wojcik committing there. Also, in terms of commitments, Missouri, very nice pickup in John Tanji, 6 foot 4 guard from Colorado State. I watch a lot of Mountain West because of where I live. Really, really, really good player there. I think he's going to immediately have success in that Dennis Gates system. And then finally, right before I started recording, Jaquan Walton, 6-7 wing, 14 points per game commits to Wichita uh from Wichita State. Commits to Alabama. Listen, this is an SEC level athlete. Believe it or not, he actually started his career at Georgia. You want a fun fact. The 2019 recruiting class at Georgia. This was who was in it. Anthony Edwards, number one pick in the draft. Severe Wheeler, who's now going on his third school. Jaquan Walton. This is technically his fourth school because he started Georgia, Juco, Wichita State. Now he is going to Alabama. And oh, by the way, Mike Peak. For those of you who don't remember that name, a little bit of a scary story. He was one of the players at New Mexico State that was involved in that shooting situation there, different than the one. Uh, we don't need to speculate on that. But while recruiting class at Georgia, Jaquan Walton is committed to Alabama, Six seven wing, 14 points per game at Wichita. I think he's going to be really good there. All right. How about that for some Transfer Portal news and notes? I think it's time for me to get out of here. Before we do, want to remind everybody, make sure you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure to subscribe. Also, make sure to subscribe to the Aaron Torres Pod YouTube channel uh, where we're dropping all sorts of good stuff, some extra bonus content this time of year since we're only doing a couple shows a week. Make sure you are subscribed there. Make sure to rate and review the show. If you're going to be in Houston, we're still trying to figure out details, but DM me. We're doing something. It's now looking more realistically like Sunday, the day between games. But if this goes together like I think it will, oh, it's going to be a good time. But it's time for me to get out of here. I appreciate everybody's support. And I will be back on Friday with my official Final Four picks. With that said, it was fun. We'll do it again soon. And I just got one thing to say. Shout out to Torrent Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. Shout out to JJ Redick, you F-head unblock me, bro. I'll be back on Friday. Live from Houston new episode Aaron Torres